On June 23, 1972, Title IX was signed into law. It's the first law that prohibited discrimination on the basis of sex and ensures equal opportunity for women in all levels of education, especially athletics. Fifty years later, Title IX continues to be a major player in the fight for women's equality in sports. This is the impact of Title IX. There is still plenty of progress to be made, but as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX and the women who fought to get us here, there is hope for a more equitable future for all women in sports. Now back to today's JMO Radio Show from the Allen Samuel Studios. Here's the voice of the Bears, John Morris and Aaron Sexton. Back with us, and that is a uh, brief introduction to this segment that I think is very uh, succinct, and this is the 50th anniversary today of the passage of Title IX. It was June 23rd, 1972, when uh, then-President Richard Nixon signed it into law. Part of a, it, it was part of more, it wasn't just Title IX, it was part of an education bill that was passed at that time, but Title IX has had such an impact on uh, college athletics and women's sports since that time that this is a very significant date today, the 50th anniversary. To talk about that, we welcome in Don Rogers, Baylor's Deputy Athletic Director, uh, and and this is kind of in your wheelhouse, isn't it, this subject, and we appreciate you being on with us. I am so excited to chat with you today. <laughs> this will great. be fun. Very good. So in a nutshell, 50 years later, uh, where are we? You know, it, it seems to me that we could spend the rest of the hour yeah, talking how much, about that. How much time do we right, have? Right, right. Yeah. But it, it seems like it has uh, allowed great steps forward in this area, what it was intended to do. Yeah, and I think it's a combination of what the law was intended to do. And of course it wasn't restricted just to athletics, what was passed in 1972. And in fact, in, you know, in doing some research, it wasn't until 1983 that um, the civil rights restoration act went into place saying, well, in 1983, there was a Grove city case because there was all different kinds of interpretations as the law went into effect. And in 1980, uh, in 1983, there was this thought that athletics doesn't get federal funding, Mm -hmm. so they're exempt. Mm. And in 1988, um, we came back with the Civil Rights Restoration Act that said, no, universities receive federal funding, so you you must abide by this law. And I was sharing with you that, ironically, that was my first full-time job. Wow. Was at Temple University, and they, there had been a lawsuit brought against them by some students. Uh, some female student athletes, and so when um, when that Restoration Act went into place, they settled the lawsuit, and one of the things they did was create a position to market women's athletics, mm. and that was my first full-time job there, and I had such a blast doing things because no one had ever done things for the women's teams, and, you know, of course, this was Temple. This was Coach Cheney, mm-hmm. and um, Linda McDonald had an extraordinary women's team the year that I started there. And we had a lot of fun that year. And just the appreciation uh, from the student athletes and the coaches to have somebody working on their behalf was really fulfilling for me at such a young age. Wow. How about that? That's a great connection between you and Title IX. So when it was passed, uh, you'll hear the term, if you haven't already today, 37 words. Yes. That's uh, That's the gist of the copy. Here's the text. 
no person in the United States shall, based on sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So that's it, 37 words, and look what that has blossomed into. Yeah, it, it, and it touches so many different areas, and, and really even down at the high school level. I, I remember when I was younger, uh, volleyball season was in the winter in Michigan because of gym space, limited mm-hmm. gym space. And students came back and coaches came back and said, you are reducing our opportunities to be recruited because we're playing outside of a traditional season. Mm-hmm. You can't make us play in a different season because we don't have enough gym space. We are afforded the right to have the same access. And so it's impacted so many different things. When I was in high school, um, I don't want to give away my age, (laughs) but, you know, a lot of women's teams were being added. And then being, you know, a student athlete in college, it really wasn't until I started working that I understood the significance of how the law was impacting, you know, as you got into college and we started talking about it. And then fast forward to, you know, my daughter being born in 1999 and, you know, walking into gyms, she played club volleyball and just saying all these girls, you know, every shape and size, having access to playing sports. And you just, I looked back when I was that age and we didn't have any of those things. You didn't have nearly that many opportunities. Yes. And, and, and then when you look at the history at, you know, at Baylor, for example, with such excellence around our women's teams. And so you start going back and say, how did it start? And so much of it started through physical education Mm -hmm. and just women coming together saying, we have to give athletic opportunities to these, you know, uh, women student athletes and they just created it. And then you moved into the AIAW being absorbed by the NCAA and you get to today. And, you know, I, I think the law created the opportunities but now it's just a norm because as a society, we appreciate, you know, women and, you know, their excellence in sport. Yeah. Very good. Uh, brief history of Baylor and uh, Title IX. What else can you tell us about that, about the steps forward and kind of the timeline as much as you can uh, for Baylor? Well, I love this book, Before Brittany, um, written by Dr. Nancy R. Goodlow. Mm-hmm. This is a great history. I mean, I, I'm going to read it from cover to cover after skimming through it and um, kind of taking us through, you know, starting in 1904, athletic opportunities. And again, mostly through phys ed and then starting our first intercollegiate teams in, in the late 1960s. And we Gosh, we offered basketball, volleyball, tennis, badminton was really big, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, back in the 60s and 70s. I had a professor at Ithaca College that was a world-class badminton player. Really? And we all had to take the class, Uh and she would just demolish you (laughs) in the class. And uh, so I have a great appreciation for badminton, swimming, golf, bowling, track and field, fencing. And, you know, so that was the beginning of what Baylor looked like. And, and, and again, now you look at the success of our, our women's programs are so extraordinarily successful that it's really fun to go back and look at the history. And then, you know, we have Paula Young mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. a trailblazer, you know, started sports, uh, coached sports here at Baylor. She's still on our staff. 
So we're surrounded by these, you know, different uh, women that have been involved in this groundswell of what women's athletics look like. And it's really fun to, to hear their stories and just, you just got it done. You know, yep. you drove the, what did yeah. we used to have the station wagons right. with no seatbelts <laughs> and just got on the road and went and competed against other colleges. Wow. And, and look where we are today in, in pretty much every area. Uh, I know we in Baylor athletics, we try to promote, to give the same access, to give obviously scholarship uh, levels to, you know, the same to say men's basketball and women's basketball, baseball, softball, comparing those. I mean, look where we are now in that area. It it was really refreshing. You know, I'm coming up on, on five years here at Baylor and from the moment that, that I walked in, it was really refreshing to see, you know, and that starts with Mac Rhodes and just his philosophy on we're going to support every student athlete and give them access. And it doesn't matter if you're on a men's team, if you're on a women's team. And um, but looking at what we do, there's a laundry list when you do a Title IX review. And we do one every year. We mm-hmm. bring a consultant in. It's a priority. Baylor has done it for over a decade. And going through and looking at social media, equipment, per diem. Cool. Let's make sure that, and, and, you know, we take it for granted, right? right? Like, of course, of course you do that. Right. And I think a lot of that is born out of, I mean, look at how many athletic directors have rock star daughters that have been yeah. student athletes. Like <laughs> I love working for athletic directors that have daughters because they are, you know, they're not going to have it that, you know, both men and women are treated the right, same. Right. But you know, things that we take for granted. And then you hear the stories about the women's teams that get less per diem or don't travel the same way or have benches instead of a dugout at the softball field. And I used to do peer review visits. I've traveled to many places and, and that isn't just an assumed norm, Mm. um, but it's a priority that Baylor has made. And I think, you know, we're not perfect. There's times that we have to stop and look, but we always ask the question Mm -hmm. of, you look at our basketball programs, both national champions. And, you know, I can truly unequivocally say those programs are both resourced at the same level. Uh, one doesn't get more than the other. And when we're making decisions, we always look how it will impact, you know, if we make a decision for one team, how it impacts another team, not just with basketball, but, you know, really across the board. And that's something we make a priority every year to look at and, and bring someone else in that can look at it through a different lens than we do and give us really great feedback. Yeah. So we sort of, we here at Baylor, we do sort of look at it that way because that's our mindset. That's our leadership. That's our uh, philosophy here at Baylor. Not like that at other schools. You've been at other places, not to, you know, to slam any other places, but you've seen it uh, from some other, uh, uh, other angles also. I have, and you still do. And and again, I think sometimes it's not even intentional. It's just you've had a way of doing things, and no one ever has stopped and said, should we reexamine how we're treating different teams? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to just have critical, you know, critical eye on your staff. I think we have a group of coaches that's very comfortable. I mean, we cannot have this conversation and not talk about Felicia Mulkey. Yeah, you know, point. another um, trailblazer, pioneer in, in forming acrobatics and tumbling. 
and and really forming you know we talk about acrobatics and tumbling as a women a sport created by women for women and i think that's the power of intercollegiate athletics it's creating these you know powerful women through sport that then go out and i'll say run the world mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and whenever i meet with student athletes i mm-hmm. i say i'm i'm going to be working for you someday because <laughs> you're you're amazing and i think that's that was my own um journey through intercollegiate, you know, I didn't start competing until later. I grew up on a farm and I rode horses. And then I said, I'm going to try this thing called track Mm -hmm. and then tried volleyball. And the things that you learn about yourself, um, the things you learn about yourself in tough workouts and being in the weight room, those are the same opportunities that we needed to give to our young ladies that we've been giving to our young men for decades, because we know the power of sport. We know how it helps you grow and develop and, and um, get ready to be an adult. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Felicia. That's perfect because you will you don't have to talk to her very long for her to say when these schools add the sport of acrobatics and tumbling, that's 40 or more opportunities yes. for women to compete at a collegiate level. Yes. And I, I, I knew about acrobatics and tumbling. I had never been to a competition till I came, you know, to Baylor. And, of course, you know, when you meet any of our coaches – they just have such an infectious personality and you look forward to going to practices and competitions. And I felt the same way um, with Felicia. And it really is an incredible sport when you see of, uh, you know, how it, it develops confidence yeah. and just the way she runs, you know, she runs the program. I think all of our, you know, all of our coaches are like that. But she, you know, she certainly is special with winning every national championship in acrobatics and tumbling. Every since the, one of them. Every yeah. single one of them. <laughs> and I think what really speaks to that is coming to Baylor and the team had not been highly successful in taking that first class of, you know, when she was here and they won a national championship. And so that pressure every year to, you know, to continue that streak. And she, she leans into it. She loves it. Yeah. All right, final thought and kind of finish where we started. There's still work to be done. I mean, yes. it's it's a work in progress. Yes. But a day like today just gives so much attention to Title IX and women and women in sports. And this is just a great kind of a, a checkpoint along yes. the way, isn't it? Yes. I think what's important is just the continued conversations. And, and sometimes there's not answers for every um, issue. But if we continue to talk about it and acknowledge, I th- I think, you know, one of the blessings of COVID, and I think it's important to try to find some because yeah. there certainly were plenty that weren't, was, you know, we, we turned our eye to television. We looked for things to entertain us as mm-hmm. we were, you know, as we were staying home and women's athletics experienced um, just a some great growth during that time. Yeah. And, and, you know, as we were all looking for programming and all of a sudden it was like, that's amazing. Mm. And, you know, when people watch, they fall in love. Yeah. And, and I think we've really seen networks and streaming and different platforms give us more opportunity to get to watch women's athletics. And that brings in fans. I've seen that here at Baylor with the, you know, kind of each of our women's teams has a different, fan following Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, in Waco, Mm -hmm. which is really, really, really fun. But we definitely still have issues that we need to walk through and have great conversation with different um, minds trying to solve some of the challenges. 
we sit here right now with NIL, for example, mm -hmm. and there's been conversation around that it's disproportionate mm -hmm. and it's not a university decision, but we still have to kind of walk through and navigate and understand that we need to look at all of our student athletes and what opportunities we can give them. The beauty of Baylor is I really feel like everything that we feel like we can control, we really have an eye for equality. Um, and that, that goes for our men too, right, um, right. you know, all of our different sports, but let's just continue the conversation and realize, you know, the value of what athletics does, you know, for our young men and women. Yeah. Very well said. Hey, thanks. That was perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. And it is a big day, a big date, a big anniversary, the 50th anniversary of signing title nine into law. And Don, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have all a right. great day. You too. Thank you. Don Rogers, Baylor's deputy. AD in, uh, in our athletic department and a great source and resource to talk about this anniversary for Title IX.